Hello, and welcome to the weekly worship podcast for Fuquay Arena, United Methodist Church. We think it's important, not just that you listen today, but we would invite you to worship with us today. If you'd like to further engage your faith or the community around you and like to partner with us, uh, please visit our website, fvumc.org, for more information. Also, we'd love to hang out with you on a Sunday morning, whether that's live, online, or in person. Online on Sunday mornings on our website or Facebook page or YouTube channel, you can enjoy the venue with us, which is a worship service crafted for community online, or you can join our live in-person services online at 1010 for our contemporary, 1115 for our traditional. If you'd like to worship in person with us, we have worship at 9 o'clock and 1010 for our contemporary worship services and 1115 for our traditional worship. At the end of the day, we believe that when and where you worship is not nearly as important as that you worship. And so we're so glad to be with you today, worshiping together. Well, hello, friends. This is the last week in our sermon series, uh, Life in Boxes, How to Hold It All Together. And this morning we are talking about our very last box, the Strangers Box. And maybe you've kind of seen it hanging out there on the stage if you've been with us in person, or maybe you have seen it um, kind of through the venue as we've had pictures of it and that kind of thing. But I know that in some ways it is super random to have a Strangers Box up here. And yet, I think it also encapsulates so much of our life. You know, we spend so much of our lives with people that we don't know, whether it's neighbors that actually are neighbors in our neighborhood that we don't necessarily know yet, or people that we spend wandering the aisles with, uh, either at Target or the grocery store or wherever that we don't know, maybe our delivery driver, or mail carrier, like all these people, generally speaking, uh, tend to be strangers or people that we don't necessarily know, at least not yet. And I think there's so much of our lives that we spend in kind of stranger adjacent kind of world. And I don't, think that I've necessarily processed that much, uh, what our interactions with strangers mean or kind of the importance of them. But I do remember sometime in the depths of 2020, like, gosh, such a hard year, when I realized, you know, I had not seen anyone other than Adam, my husband, and our two families. And that was, that was it. Like, I don't, I don't think I had seen anybody else maybe in at least a week and maybe more. Like maybe I had seen some people through the window or front door, that kind of thing, but like it had been a minute. And it also was around that time that a couple of my friends and I read a book called Burnout. Kind of subtitle of that is The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And if you were kind of around me at that point, I talked about this book so much. Like I just found it so fascinating on a ton of different levels. So would would recommend. And there was just like so much that I was kind of processing that we had been deprived of in 2020 that kind of normally helped keep us or protect us from stressors in life that kind of came out in a different way in 2020. So I think that's part of part of what was really fascinating to me. But this book, it talked a lot about what it looked like to interrupt our stress cycle and or sorry, to complete our stress cycle rather than just kind of let our stress linger. And one of the examples in the book that it gave was when we have something hard going on in our life, um, they gave the example of a bear chasing us. Hopefully that has never happened to you. Maybe it has, but she was saying like, you know, if there is a bear that is chasing you, 
our bodies are going to kick it into high gear, go into fight or flight mode real quickly. Um, all of the stress responses are going to start to happen. And that's great. Like we need that to help protect us, to keep us alive, all of those sorts of things. However, uh, the book also said that if the bear just stops chasing us or goes away or we kind of make it back to our car safely, then all of that stress that has built up in our bodies, it doesn't just like magically disappear when the bear goes away, but rather like we have to actually complete the stress cycle so that all the stress that has been built up in our bodies can kind of like have something to somewhere to go, somewhere to kind of release. And that was kind of a new concept to me. I mean, I knew a little bit about stress, but didn't necessarily know too much about the concept of the stress cycle before this book. But one thing that was interesting to me is that the authors gave a lot of different ways in which we can complete the stress cycle so that we can kind of let our bodies know, like, everything's okay, bear's no longer here, or whatever's stressing us out, like, it's, it's going to be okay. And there were a lot of things kind of in the list of things that help us to complete the stress cycle that I wasn't necessarily surprised by. Maybe you won't be either, uh, such as deep breathing or connecting with somebody that you love that talked about kind of the importance or the magic of a 20 second hug, kind of like lets us uh, relax a little bit more. Talked about exercising or even crying, that all of these different things can help our bodies to release the stress that we are feeling and kind of come back to homeostasis or like a baseline. And all of these things, you know, made sense to me. Probably had experienced in one way, shape or form. But one thing that was on the list that really surprised me was talking to strangers. And it, like at first this made no sense to me, but as I kind of read more about this, it, yeah, it started to make a little bit more sense. She talked about how talking to strangers actually helps us to complete the stress cycle because it helps remind us that the world around us is a safe place, uh, that we no longer have to be on alert, that we can kind of take, take a deep breath and, and move on. And this was particularly fascinating for me because I think strangers, um, like talking to strangers, people that we don't necessarily know, like that often gets a bad rap. You know, we tell our kids at a young age, like stranger danger, do not talk to strangers. Like it can be a dangerous situation. And uh, in fact, recently my husband and I were traveling out to California to visit my best friend. First time we've been on a plane in, in quite some time. And we were at the point where we had had our tickets kind of scanned and we were waiting to board the plane in that long kind of like winding hallway that looks like a xylophone like going in and out. I think that's the right name. You can tell me if I'm wrong. But we we were hanging out there. We had the cheap seats, hadn't upgraded or anything like that. So we were at the very back of the line and there was only one family behind us. And I recognized, you know, they had been doing as we had been waiting all that they could to keep their two kids kind of entertained before getting on this five-hour flight and like it just seemed like they kind of had gotten to a point where they were like like we don't know we don't know what else to do with you kids and maybe also in a moment of boredom for myself I turned to one of the kids I think maybe about four years old or so and noticed that his shirt had Lightning McQueen on it so I said to him like oh my gosh I love Lightning McQueen I love your shirt and immediately the kid kind of goes and hides behind both of his parents. And I just kind of like laughed it off, like, you know, talked to mom. I was like, oh, she, he's being shy, whatnot. And, you know, I just kind of brushed it off and moved along. I was a shy child, so like, I totally get it. It's like, okay, yep, that's good. You don't, you're stressing you out. Somebody you don't know is talking to you. We'll move along. And later, my husband told me that 
the dad had whispered to the son, like, sometimes it's okay to talk to strangers. And that just like made me laugh so much because like, it's true. Like we tell our kids stranger danger and like, to be super clear, I I think stranger danger can be really helpful. Uh, it's not always safe for kids to talk to strangers and um, they're not necessarily always old enough to be able to discern when it's safe to and when it's not. Um, but I think that sometimes we often kind of like hold on to this mentality of stranger danger, like hold on to it even into adulthood. And I think that sometimes that actually deprives us of the opportunity to help one another to feel connection and belonging in our communities. Um, I've certainly realized as I have gotten older that I have become far less willing to talk to other people or people kind of in like random passing interactions or whatnot. Uh, in fact, I remember a time, I guess I was in high school on a youth mission trip and we had, I just flown in to kind of meet the group and I, my youth director and I were kind of like unpacking the, how the planner went and all of that kind of thing. I hadn't really like flown anywhere much before. And so I just, yeah, I was kind of like processing it with him. And I told him, you know, like I met this lovely couple next to me and like we talked the whole time, blah, blah, blah. And it was not a super long flight, but I remember in kind of processing that with him, he like looked at me and he's like, I, I don't think I ever talked to people on a plane. Like this was just like so newfangled to him. Like he never would have considered doing that. And I remember in that moment thinking to myself like, oh, like I, I never want to be that way. Like I always want to be able to kind of see the people around me and like engage with them. And like, I love that. It was a super great experience for me. I think they really loved it too. Um, and yet, and yet, uh, just a few weeks ago, same flight out to California, I found myself uh, settling in for the five hour flight, put my headphones in, uh, watched a plain movie and a little tiny screen right in front of me and sipped my ginger ale. And for that entire five hour flight, I don't think I said more than a few words to the person sitting next to me. Y'all, like, it's so hard. It's so hard. I think maybe the heart of it for me, I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to be a distraction. Um, even beyond that, I think sometimes, like, I simply would rather, like, be on my phone or screen or whatever it is and embrace a few lovely moments of silence, uh, particularly on planes. You know, you don't always know. Someone might have planned to take a nap or watch a movie or like some read a good book and don't don't want to interrupt that. Um, now I'm not I'm not trying to say that we need to talk to every stranger in every single situation, but I do think that the way that we interact with strangers in the world matters. The way that we treat other people, particularly people that we don't know, I think it deeply matters. In fact, I don't think that the way that we treat other people or the way that we kind of interact with strangers uh, is only good for our health and kind of for completing those stress cycles. But Jesus actually talks a lot about talking to, to strangers and what it looks like to care for strangers in our midst. Um, Jesus doesn't necessarily, like in the passage we're going to look at, he doesn't only just talk about um, talking to strangers, but he also talks about paying attention to the needs of, of people in our communities, particularly those that we don't know. And Jesus's words in particular in this passage, just kind of as a disclaimer as we head into it, are they are always challenging words to me. Jesus not only invites us to care for strangers, but he actually says, whenever you care for any person, particularly anyone who is deemed a last or least or lost, um, in some way, we also, by doing so, by caring for that person, that we have cared for Jesus himself. 
like, ooh, it's it's challenging passage. Uh, it's continually challenging to me. So just want to give that disclaimer. Uh, but let's let's read it together and we can unpack a little bit more. Um, if you are following along, it comes from Matthew chapter 25. Um, we're going to read verses 35 through 40. Um, he says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When was it that we saw you as a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you in prison and visited you? And here's his answer. The king will answer them. Truly, I tell you. Just as you did to the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. I think that's that's the hardest line for me. Uh, just as you did to one of the least of these, you also have done to me. More than uh, Jesus saying that talking to and caring for strangers uh, can be good for us, uh, Jesus in this passage is telling us that when we help feed or clothe somebody who needs it, when we visit somebody who's in prison, uh, when we welcome somebody who we consider to be a stranger, then not only have we cared for that person and kind of helped meet their needs, but we actually have cared for the living God. Friends, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. Um, I know. I certainly am guilty of regularly passing by people or choosing to believe that two minutes of responding to a text message and a checkout line is going to be far more important than paying attention to the person kind of right in front of me. Um, actually, in fact, earlier today, this morning, before I recorded this, I went to the dentist for a short little 30-minute appointment. I, uh, I've gotten a night guard. I'm grinding my teeth at night. Ugh, y'all. So hard. And I, they had to like fit the night guard in and make sure that it fit my teeth okay and all of that. And so again, short appointment, right? And I was chatting with the um, assistant who was kind of helping make sure that this fit well and all of that. And I caught myself like multiple times across these short 30 minutes, like prioritizing my phone over talking to her. Like she was very kind, very helpful, had helped me so much, cared for me really well. And, and yet whenever there was a break in the conversation or whenever I felt like, oh, like this is a great time to, to respond to this other text message or to check my email, like I prioritize that over the person who is right in front of me and, and helping care for me in that moment. And I remember like leaving the dentist office this morning and being like, oh gosh, this is, this is gonna be a really hard habit to break. And, and so know that you are, if this feels hard to you, you're, you're not alone in it. I think it's, it's gonna be challenging to me as well. Um, and yet, I think that the cost of trying to break this habit is worth it. Because I think that what happens uh, when little by little we choose ourselves or choose our phones or whatever it is over interacting with God's beloved children that are right in front of us, uh, then I think that we subconsciously begin to believe that maybe maybe we don't need one another. Maybe that person in line in front of you is just an inconvenience because you have to wait for them to check out before you can uh, get to the checkout line yourself. Um, I think the more we subconsciously uh, begin to believe um, as well that we don't, it doesn't matter how that person thinks or how that person acts or if they feel differently than me or act differently than me. Um, and yet Jesus is the one who tells us that we, when we welcome a stranger, when we feed or clothe those that need it, um, that we not only 
are caring for them, but we are entertaining the living God. Now, I know full and well, this is, again, this is intimidating. And yet what I love about the scripture is that Jesus is not simply just saying, um, you know, welcome in every person that you meet. Jesus is calling us specifically to care for and to tend not only to the person that is in front of us, but also to the needs of that person. To be attentive. Um, does this person need clothes? Um, is this person hungry? Is, is the person in prison? Do they need somebody to visit them? Are they isolated? Are they a stranger that is new to the community that needs welcoming? Like Jesus calls us to be the kind of people that see a need and that move to help meet it uh, with love and compassion and care rather than just kind of seeing that as an opportunity to keep on walking by, to turn away. Uh, my hope, friends, for all of us as we head into this work of, of caring for people around us, talking to strangers, uh, is that maybe even little by little that we can try even more to move a little bit outside of our comfort zone. Uh, next time we have the opportunity to chat with somebody that we don't know or the next time that we are in a, a situation where we see that a need arises. Um, I, don't, I don't know how often you kind of come across situations like that where you, you see a need and can kind of help meet it in the moment. But I wanted to share with you a, a study that has been kind of challenging me a lot uh, this week. It's called uh, The Bystander Effect. And it's something learned about kind of back in my psych days, and it was coined in the 1960s. Um, maybe you have actually heard about this. I think there was a New York Times article written about it. And it was because there was a, um, a tragic accident that, or not accident, a tragic act um, that happened. And there were 37 people that allegedly witnessed this crime be committed and some called the police and that kind of thing, but nobody actively intervened in that moment. And so that kind of effect has become coined as the bystander effect, that when there's a crowd of people, a crowd of strangers that don't necessarily know any, know one another, that when something happens, um, that we are more likely to act as a bystander, the 37 people, than we are to act or intervene in that moment. Um, now this week, as I was kind of to try to pull from the recesses of my psych days and figure out like, is this the, the right study and all of that? I came across a, a TED talk by a guy named Ken Brown. And he was kind of saying like, yes, the bystander effect is real. If we are in a crowd of people and something happens, we are not as likely to intervene, like based on if there are more people there. If there's only one person, far more likely to intervene. Like if we are the only person, but if there, you know, a lot of people around, maybe someone else will do it. Um, but, uh, Ken Brown also said, as he dug into the research a little bit more, that he actually found that the bystander effect could be overcome such that if there was somebody in the crowd that something happened or they needed help, that almost every time, if this one thing happened, then the bystander effect kind of disappeared and actually was overcome by more people stepping in and helping. And he said that what he found is that if just one person in the crowd uh, begins to help, then almost every time more people are going to step in and to help in that moment. Um, he kind of said that it seems like if nobody is intervening kind of in this bystander effect world, then we tend to tell ourselves maybe this is not a safe place to intervene or maybe there's a reason that nobody else is acting. However, if 
we choose to be that one person that kind of steps up and acts, that we actually can be a leader of a movement to be able to help intervene in a situation, to be able to um, either get somebody to safety or to stop something from happening. And I just think that, like, gosh, that is a beautiful thing for us to keep in mind and to remember that might seem insignificant to kind of step up and help somebody. But truly, when we do that in more ways than one, we can kind of cause a chain effect to be able to invite more and more people to kind of step in and help as well. Um, friends, as we, as we consider this, as we consider what it is to be a people that step in and help people that talk to strangers, um, I am hopeful that we can kind of take a moment to assess uh, what this looks like in our own lives this week. Um, so I'm going to leave you with a couple questions. Uh, the first is this. What would it look like for us to be a community that sees Jesus in everybody around us? And then second, what would it look like for us to be a people that choose to interact with strangers in our midst, maybe just to strike up a conversation for a moment or to jump in when somebody is in need? So I'd encourage us to, to be one of those people, to interact with um, strangers or people that we don't necessarily know in, in a new way this week or also to recognize when those opportunities might be to, to be a catalyst for change, to jump in and help out when somebody is in need. I'm gonna close with this. Uh, all throughout the series, we've been saying that a boxed out God cannot transform uh, our boxed in life. And I think that when we box God out of even these smallest of interactions with strangers, we might have just missed an encounter uh, with Jesus in our midst. Amen. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith or the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org, to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, and while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the greater Fuquay Verena area. Um, fvumc.org slash give would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fuquay Verena United Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing it again soon.